Hey, you hungry? This hockey season, Domino's has you covered. How about enjoying the game with a large four-topping pizza for only $11.99? But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add in some delicious side dishes like pasta or chicken wings. And don't forget to try the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Whether it's watching the big game, in a hurry, or just because. Trust Domino's to satisfy that hunger. Head on over to dominoes.ca to order now. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, everybody. Another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Give us a follow on Twitter, of course, at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. And if you ever miss any of the show or want to go back and listen to past episodes and interviews, you can do that on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, on the tsn1050.ca show page as well. Great show for you today. Scott Collin from tsn.ca. He's going to tee us off in just a moment. Travis Yost is running a marathon in Utah, I'm told. So he's got the, I don't know if it's sweats or short shorts. I don't know what Travis is doing, but we'll connect with him next week to see his time in the marathon. After that, Corey Schneider from the Athletic Chicago. Talk about the tough year the Blackhawks have in the Central. Uh, James Harding, DraftKings and NHL.com with some fantasy hockey talk. And then old friend Jonas Siegel from the Athletic Toronto to go over the Maple Leafs. Now here's a man, he's not running a marathon, I don't think, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Scotty, how are you? I'm good, Andy. How you doing? Good. Are you? You know uh, what? I actually just I just finished my marathon. Yeah, <laughs> and you're coming on. So, yeah, like I don't I don't know what's taking Travis so long. Oh, but I'm... <laughs> Scotty, you know what? We, we we both have a couple kids. We we're always on a marathon, right? Yeah, that's right. Life is life is a marathon. <laughs> life is a marathon. Okay, let's kick off the show with. It's time for the best, best. and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros. With Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. All right. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, red hot. Six goals in his last five, Scotty. He starts off the heroes. Oh, Andy, I'm digging deep here on, on Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> in, in his past 20 games, 16 goals and 20 assists. But interestingly, 92 shots on goal. Like wow. th- This production isn't coming by accident. The guy's just controlling play. He had a, game, uh, you know, a few games back where he had 19 shot attempts. Um, and, uh, you know, in that time, he has a, he has a 51% Corsi, which doesn't sound great, but it's also best among Avalanche regulars in that time. Um, you know, we, we know he's carrying a, a team that isn't so great. Uh, and in those 20 games at five on five, uh, the Avalanche have 25 goals for 13 against with Nathan McKinnon on the ice. Uh, you know, I, I've sort of been hesitant on the Nathan McKinnon for Hart Trophy, uh, uh, bandwagon, but I, I'm starting hmm. to, I'm starting to line myself up for that. If, if, he can, if he can drag them to the playoffs, I think he, he's going to be in the conversation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if he, can, if he can pop them in, no doubt. All right, hero number two from Winnipeg, Patrick Laine. Now, he's having a terrific sophomore season, so why is he your hero for this week? Well, because he's, he's continuing to score um, at, a, at an elite rate, uh, eight goals and five assists in the past seven games. He's 33 goals in 64 games this year. And, and the the point that I guess I want to bring up about Patrick Line is the the goal scorers that we kind of tend to appreciate uh, are guys who are volume shooters, a guy like Nathan McKinnon who's mm-hmm. getting all those shots. But but Patrick Line isn't really a high volume shooter, but he's got an amazing shot, and, and so you know so far in his first two seasons he's scoring on about seventeen point five percent 
uh, of his shots. And that's, you know, that's very rare territory. Um, you know, dare to dream what might happen if you could get Patrick Laine taking four shots per game. But, you know, in the meantime, he, he's on pace for 40 goals uh, because, you know, he, he's finishing uh, at a really elite rate. All right, so those are the two heroes. Now the zeros, and we go to Jason Spets. And Scotty, I forgot. I, I still think of Spets as, as being young. Like, he just seems like one of those guys <laughs> who's like, hey, he's an up-and-comer. He's 34 years old, and he's having a bad year. He is, and, you know, who, who would have guessed that Jason Spezza and Ken Hitchcock wouldn't have meshed together? That's, uh, <laughs> you know what, he has no points in his past 10 games. In 63 games this season, he has three even-strength goals, oh. which is uh, kind of unbelievable for a player of his, his talent. And, and so, you know, on the, whole, on the whole this season, seven goals, 17 assists, uh, and he still has one more year left with a $7.5 million cap hit. Um, yeah, this obviously the arrival of Ken Hitchcock has sort of precipitated Jason Spezza's demise in Dallas. Uh, I wonder what might happen in the offseason, whether whether it's a buyout or a trade or or something that gives him a chance to um, you know thrive a little bit more in a different situation next year. Well, it's interesting too because Scotty before last year, like he was well on pace to have a, a thousand point career, right? Like and now yep. he's he's at eight eighty six. He's thirty four. Now it's like, oh man, you know, like it's <laughs> it seems it seems like it might be a bit of a stretch now. Well, yeah, and and I mean, look, the the thing is, when you go and you're a fifty or sixty point guy as he, as he's been uh, in the later stages of his career, that's fine. But all of a sudden, when you drop into twenty four point season, which yep. is where he's at now. Um, you know, suddenly that, that climb to a thousand gets a whole, a whole lot harder. All right. And who is your final zero? It is Pavel Zaka, a second year center with the New Jersey Devils. And, and look, he's shown some, some flashes this year. Like there's real promise. Uh, but lately, uh, the game has sort of tailed off a bit. He has uh, two goals and no assists in his past 12 games with 43% course and 46% of the scoring chances when he's out there. Uh, Devils getting outscored six to one. Uh, during five on five play in that time, and look, we we know the kind of the big story with the Devils is that Taylor Hall's you know carrying them, not unlike Nathan McKinnon's carrying the uh, the Avalanche. Um, but you know, sort of the the long term future of the New Jersey Devils um, is brighter because uh, a player like Pavel Zaka could provide them kind of a good second line center behind Nico Hischier. Uh It just so happens that right now uh, that production is not there. In conversation with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. He is joining us on the Domino's delivery line. And people, I'm telling you, large four topping pizza, just eleven ninety-nine. Go get some this weekend. Large topping four or large four topping pizza, eleven ninety-nine. The side dishes, marble cookie brownie for dessert. Order at Domino's.ca for delivery or carry out. That's Domino's.ca. Okay, Scotty, let's go to your snapshot rankings here, and we see the Nashville Predators go from two to one. They're back on top. That's right. Um, and look, I, I think you can make a very strong argument that a healthy Tampa Bay Lightning would be the uh, the number one team, but you know they're they're still missing a few guys. Yeah. You know, Andre Andre Pilat has been out for a while. Nikita Kucherov uh, may be back uh, next week, but he has been out for a little bit more than a week. And uh, Ryan McDonough, who was their big trade deadline acquisition, he hasn't been able to play yet. And um, and he you know he was missing time uh, over the past few weeks when he was with the New York Rangers. So. Um, I, I think the, there's a pretty solid argument that the Tampa Bay Lightning, when healthy, will be the uh, the number one team. But in, in the meantime, the Nashville Predators will keep that top spot warm. They've won seven in a row, uh, and they made some good additions themselves. I think Ryan Hartman, uh, who they got from the Chicago Blackhawks, is a, uh, a solid depth player who adds a little bit of skill. And uh, and you know what? If Mike Fisher can come back and, and give them you know some reliable minutes as a checking center, and he scored last night, you know that um, you know that this is a team that. Uh, wasn't too far off winning the Stanley Cup last year, and I, I think they're probably even better this year. 
Now this week we have the Boston Bruins. So we got Tampa at two, the Bruins falling from one to three. And this is is such an interesting team post-trade deadline, I think, Scotty. Because, okay, you have Patrice Bergeron, who's out of the lineup. He's going to be evaluated, what, I think next week with that fractured foot. But... You bolster the lineup. Rick Nash, Tommy Wingles, Brian Gianta, Spooner. Like, how do you feel, and, and this is on, on a week-to-week, but overall with the Bruins, uh, Bergeron or, or not, and again, we have to wait wow. and see that, how, how far along he's going to be, but with that bolster, what do you think that makes them? Well, look, when, when Bergeron is healthy, um, I have the Bruins kind of pushing right up there for the top spot, yeah. too, because, yeah. I mean, he, he is the Corsi god. And uh, you know has to be has to be treated w- with such respect. With such respect. Uh, in, in the meantime, though, um, you know they, they they have to kind of plug some holes. Like Riley Nash, who has had a really nice year as their third line center, moves up to the top line. Um, and, and I you know touted him for fantasy owners this week because the opportunity to play with Brad Marchand and David Pasternak's pretty pretty great spot. Um, but as you say, you know adding Rick Nash to this team. Um, Gives them really nice scoring depth. I mean, the the additions of like Wingles and Gianta, those are depth guys. In fact, and in fact, I would um, I would worry about the the Bruins' inclination to. Um, I think when they, when they got Gianta into the lineup this week, they took out rookie Danton Heinen, who's been really kind of quietly productive for them. Um, and so I wouldn't want that to be the regular. That may have just been a, okay. We have to get Brian Gianta in now that we've signed him and kind of get him as, as part of the, the lineup. But I would hope that. Um, in the long run, that Heinen is is still a, a regular fixture in in the Boston lineup because I think their depth through their through their top nine forwards uh, was excellent this year, um, and then you add a few of these extra pieces uh, that's going to you know I guess give them uh, the the depth you want in a in a playoff contender. Like I think what we can see is a lot of teams as they try and strengthen they have a solid top nine, um, but the, these teams that are kind of expecting to go far in the playoffs you know they're not satisfied with being good in their top nine it's like okay well we want a good fourth line center like the least go get thomas placanitz right yeah you know you know we, they have expectations that because because they're gonna uh, go out and still bolster their fourth line and the bruins are very much the same that i think the bruins um you know they had a really good top nine but they know they can be even better uh by uh by adding a little bit depth on top of that so yeah i, I think they're going to be a, a really tough team in the postseason and last one for you here, Scotty, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, this is something, not to say the wheels are falling off at all, but it looks like they're starting to even out a little bit. They've lost three in a row, 5-4-1 mm-hmm. in their last ten. But you pointed out in your snapshot article on tsn.ca that it's still so weird that they're adding at the deadline rather than selling, which is what you'd expect out of an expansion team. Well, of course. I, I'm sure there was, uh, when they uh, selected players in the expansion draft, the two that stand out to me, James Neal and David Perron, um, you know, veteran forwards who have some experience and, and scoring and uh, were on expiring contracts. Like, mm-hmm. I think when Vegas selected them, the, the plan was, uh, okay, well, we'll hang on to them, and then at the deadline there will be contenders who are interested in, in acquiring their services and we'll add more assets and, and away we go. But a funny thing happened on the way to that, that Vegas <laughs> was first place in the Pacific Division and it made no sense to give up uh, Neil and Perron. In fact, they, they went out and added Thomas Tatar. Um, and some, some will say that, you know, giving up a first, a second, and a third uh, for Tatar is a steep price. But, frankly, I, I don't think it is because he's under contract for three more years after this one. Sure. You know, if, if you think it's worth uh, giving up a first-round pick to get Rick Nash, uh, who's, you know, under contract for a couple months here, um, you know, certainly it's worth adding a second and a third to get Tatar for, uh, for three more years. Like, I, I don't think at this stage of, of Nash's career he's all that different in terms of production. 
uh, from Thomas Tatar. You know, he has more brand name recognition, but I think uh, in terms of you know goals and, and driving play, I think Tatar is, is a pretty similar player. And so I, I think that that's a really nice move long term for Vegas, but it gives them um, kind of short term depth because I think their their top two lines have been so good uh, that Tatar is most likely a, a third line player to to start. Um, but again, this is, you know, you're a playoff team. You, you probably should have some guys who are playing a little bit lower in the lineup than they might uh, with some other clubs. It sounds like a bad book. A funny thing happened on the way to Las Vegas, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was the Golden Knights making the playoffs. Uh, Scotty, thank you so much. Let's do it again next week. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. All right. Scott Cullen on the Domino's delivery line. Get him on Twitter at TSN. Scott Cullen and check out all his great work Monday to Friday on TSN.ca. We will step aside after the break. It's going to be Corey Snyder from the Athletic Chicago. We're going to go over the well, terrible season that the Chicago Blackhawks are having in the Central Division. A lot more coming up here on TSN Hockey Analytics. In and over the center line, down the left wing, drop pass, Kane in front, shoots! Condon save him and score! Condon got a piece of it, but it rolled off of his equipment and into the center net. Kane scores with 5.41 left in the first, and it's 1 0 Hawks. Oh. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. You can subscribe and rate us on the podcast, on iTunes, the TSN 1050.ca show page. Of course, we post it all on Twitter as well, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. Still to come in the show, we'll have James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com with some fantasy hockey talk, as well as Jonas Siegel from The Athletic Toronto, covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. We go to The Athletic Chicago now, in the Domino's delivery line. Guys, get a large four-topping pizza for just eleven ninety nine. Get some this week and try it out. Great pizza, and also side dishes, pasta, boneless chicken, marble cookie brownie. Get it all at dominoes.ca for delivery or carryout. That's dominoes.ca. To Chicago, Corey Snyder from The Athletic Chicago. Corey, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good, Andy. Thanks for having me on. No, about pleasure to have you on again. And listen, tough year for your local team, the Blackhawks. It's uh, it's been a rough season. No getting around that. But I want to ask you: is is what we're we're looking at your expectations going into the year? Now, last place. That's just not what the Blackhawks have been for the last what decade. Where they're at now compared to your uh, expectations at the beginning of the season? Where are they at? Uh, obviously a lot worse. I didn't have them missing the playoffs. I thought they were going to be a step. I thought, I thought they were going to take a step back, maybe being a wild card team this year. But right now they're sitting like 10 points out. They've been out since February. And the Crawford injury, obviously, is a big reason for that. You, you just look at how much of a workload he's taken on the past few years and how well he's played. And uh, just with, it, with him out of the lineup, it's obviously a huge hole. But uh, the big thing that the Hawks uh, changed over the offseason was their defense. A lot of people point to the Jomerson trade, and that was huge, but they lost well, they lost three or four defensemen over the offseason, and regardless of how like, good or bad people thought they were, they didn't really replace, uh, they didn't really replace them because, uh, because they also, in, like, in addition to trading Jomerson, they also lost, Scott, they also lost Brian Campbell and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and they didn't really replace them. They tried to go from within, and it hasn't really worked as well as they hoped. And you mentioned, of course, uh, Corey Crawford going down. And what do you think? Is that. So you mentioned the defense. You mentioned 
the goaltender, at what point do we start looking at Joel Quenville's job status and thinking, is this can this year be written off to the circumstances you just went over and he gets another one? Or going into next season, is the seat going to start getting a little little warm for Quenville? Well, since you're on here is that it is pretty it is pretty warm. <laughs> I might be understating <laughs> it because uh, uh, there were reports that he wasn't happy about uh, losing Jomerson, and uh, him and some of the new defensemen haven't really seen eye to eye. Like uh, Connor Murphy was somebody that they expected to play higher in the lineup, and he's been stuck on the third pair for most of the year, and uh, and uh, he just really hasn't found any stability with the defense so far, and it's and uh, he's the coach is usually the first guy to fall in this instance, which seems nuts when you look at just yeah. how when you look at just how much success Quinville's had with the team over the years. But that's that's how the business works. Well, yeah, exactly. In conversation with Corey Snyder from the Athletic Chicago on Twitter at Shutdown Line, he comes to us courtesy of the Domino's Pizza Delivery Line. So recently on the Athletic, you looked ahead to next year for Chicago. This year's a write-off, but next year, in your mind, what will or won't change for the Blackhawks? Well, I think they're going to try to improve the defense a little bit. They do have. They do have some cap space to work with because they have a few guys on um, entry-level contracts for next season that they can use, and they just trade Hartman, so they won't have to give him a new contract. So I think they might try to get a defenseman, maybe shuffle things around there. And uh, they they really need to move a couple, uh, one or two contracts, though. And uh, the Seabrook deal is probably the big uh, killer right now because he's making six million he's making six million on the cap and he's on the third pair mm-hmm. and he they he just can't play higher in the lineup like he used to anymore and that's just that's a huge albatross on this team and another one is a Nisi Moss because uh, he's making four point five million and he has he has maybe six points at five on five last time I checked and that's obviously not good enough. And uh they, I think they need to find a way to move one or one or two of those contracts. And Isimov has a, and Isimov's no movement clause goes away this off season. So we'll see what they can do there. But one of those two contracts has to go if they want to see any big improvements. Well, let's look at the the Central Division as a whole here, and we have Nashville currently Nashville Predators and Winnipeg Jets one two, and those really are the only two clubs that you can see as going for definite contenders and are built for the long haul. There's definitely questions in Minnesota, Dallas, of course, Colorado, St. Louis. So for Chicago, do you see missing the playoffs this year as a one-off, or is this the start of a retooling phase? Is this something where, like you said, uh, with with the the contracts, maybe you look to get a bit younger and start changing that identity? What do you think? It's a retooling phase. I think they need to start handing it over to some of the younger players like the Brinkett next year and, uh, Obviously, the, they need to hope that Saad has a better season because uh, he, him and Taves haven't uh, been producing points like they hope. They've been a dominant possession line, just hasn't translated the goals yet. I think that's going to change next year, but there's also talk that they might, that might move Saad. So hmm. we'll see how it goes there. It's a lot, there's a lot that's up in the air with the Hawks right now. And uh, we're, we'll, have to see what they, we'll have to wait and see what they do because 
it's just kind of a just kind of a blur at the moment. Yeah, well, and you could go in a, a whole bunch of different directions. So they're going to be one of the fascinating off-season storylines to track. Uh, last one for you here, Corey. So the Jets and Predators that we just mentioned. You look across the rest of the Western Conference. Who stands out to you as serious contenders? Uh, the the Golden Knights. Look, we we can't. Ignore them. They're 87 points for an expansion team. It's crazy. But uh, who, who do you see as true contenders to make it out of the West to the, uh, to the Cup Final? Yeah, for me, it's just going to be one of those two teams out of the Central coming out of the West. But the, uh, the Golden Knights are kind of tricky because they've been they, they've caught the whole league by surprise. I don't know how they're going to do in a playoff <laughs> series. And uh, one team that I've like kind of been pretty impressed with as the season's gone on is actually Dallas. Hmm. Like, uh, they started off pretty tough, like, trying to figure out Hitchcock's system, but as the season's gone on, they've gotten a lot better, and I think they're going to be a tough out in, in that central division. I don't, I don't know how far they'll make it, because that's pretty much, uh, that is, a, that's a really stacked division there, and, uh, but I think Dallas is going to be a pretty tough out. Yeah, and they uh, have the top wildcard spot right now in the West. All right, Corey, thank you so much. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks, man. That's Corey Snyder from The Athletic Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at ShutdownLine. We're going to step aside and some fantasy hockey talk coming for you in just a couple of minutes from DraftKings and NHL.com. Our NHL fantasy hockey expert, James Harding, will be on the Domino's delivery line. Coming up next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Here's a chance uh, for the Devils as Severson sends one off the post and then they score. Taylor Hall from the corner fires it into an open net. The power play goal makes it 2-1. to one. Hello everybody welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara and you're listening of course on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network or maybe you're downloaded the show and you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, the TSN 1050.ca Hockey Analytics show page. And of course, we tweet out everything on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Let's get our fantasy hockey fix now. We head to the Domino's delivery line. Grab a large four-topping pizza for just eleven ninety-nine. Go get some food for the big game. Go get, go get some Domino's pizza to the side dishes too, man. You got to try the pasta, the marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Delivery or carryout at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. James, how's it going, brother? Well, you know, Andy, if I was playing golf today, I would really hope that every single hole was downwind because it is windy down here today. It is very windy. Well, that's what they're saying for the uh, Leafs-Caps game, the outdoor one. Toronto had to practice out inside because the winds were so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here in New York yesterday, we, we were having gusts in around about 50 to 60 miles an hour. Really? So it's, it's Yeah, it's going to be a windy one down there. It's going to be really interesting to see how that affects that game tonight. I'm... I'm Really uh, looking forward to just seeing how the elements, more so than the players, affect and dictate how that game's going to go. James, that's an interesting side point. Before we get to stock up, stock down, outdoor games, and let's say this one with the weather. If you're setting your DraftKings lineup, are you pausing on using Washington or Toronto players tonight because the weather is unpredictable? Because this could lead to some some weird conditions or play. Um. I don't know if I'm necessarily pausing about it, but I'm definitely going to be checking the weather mm. to kind of see what everything is, is happening. If I'm putting somebody in my lineup, you know, Alex Ovechkin always historically, no matter what, plays very well against the Leafs. So, you know, if I'm sitting there contemplating putting a guy like him in my lineup, 
that's something that I'm probably not going to be second-guessing very much. But then maybe putting somebody like a Braden Holpe in your lineup, say, well, I wonder how the wind could potentially affect shots coming right. at him. And, you know, so maybe if a goaltender or or a, a, a value player you're thinking about putting into your lineup for a game like that, I can understand. But if it's a superstar like an Ovechkin or, or a Marner or, or Nylander, you know, one of these premier players, I wouldn't have any issue with it because you know no matter what the elements are, those guys are going to be touching the puck a lot. All right, James, let's get to Stock Up. Stock Down. All right, and who is your stock up for fantasy play, whether it's for league or your DraftKings lineup? Yeah, so for first uh, stock up option for the week, heading down to South Florida, where we're going to be doing the show from next year, of course. Yes. Um, I like yes. the persistence, James. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Nick Bugstad, uh, you know, the, the, I've heard that the Panthers are actually playing kind of pretty good lately, <laughs> um, and, and he's been uh, really just on fire as of late, playing on the first line down there with Evgeny Dadnov and Alexander Barkov. And he's also centering their second power play unit. Uh, he had two assists and five shots on goal last night in their 4-1 win against the Sabres. He has three assists in his last two games, and he has points in eight of his last 12 games. Uh, two goals, uh, eight assists, two multi-point games, and 37 shots on goal. So he's firing the puck all over the place when it's getting onto his stick. Um, in year-long leagues in Yahoo, center right wing eligible, and he's only 8% owned right now. So if you're looking for a guy down the stretch on a hot team with a favorable schedule down the stretch, a team like the Panthers have played the most games down the stretch of any team in playoff contention, and they have a very favorable schedule against non-playoff contending Mm. teams. So a guy like that at that low ownership and who is also a mid-level value when it comes to DraftKings fantasy salary, I love where Nick Bukestad is right now. And then my second stock up for the weekend, just traded to the Rangers last weekend in the Rick Nash trade, is Ryan Spooner. Uh, One goal, one assist, five shots on goal last night against the Flames. He has a multi-point game in each of his first three games with the Rangers. One goal, six assists, one power play point. He's skating on the third line down there with Kevin Hayes and uh, Jesper Foss and is also running the point on their second power play unit. So he was starting to catch fire a little bit before the trade with with the Bruins, he was, had been playing better the last few weeks leading up to the trade deadline. And then, of course, the trade to the Rangers has just given him a, a boost and a, in fantasy value, seeing more time and more responsibility, and it's paying off. So I really like where Ryan Spooner is right now. Only 14% owned in season-long leagues. So, again, another guy, even though the Rangers are out of the playoffs, who you could target in your fantasy leagues because he's going to get – a lot of really solid looks and a lot of playing time for the Rangers down the stretch here of the season. All right, so those are the stock up. What are two guys we should be avoiding in fantasy? Yeah, right now, and this one this one hurts me a little bit to say, but uh, number one is John Tavares. Uh, pointless in, in five straight games and in seven of his past nine games overall. Um, he does have 64 points and 195 shots on goal on the season, 30 goals and, and 34 assists. But the Islanders' offense largely has gone cold 
as of late. It's not just been John Tavares. It's been Josh Bailey, Anders Lee, uh, Jordan Everly hasn't been great. Matt Barzell has cooled off a little bit. So the Islanders up and down the lineup right now have gone really cold. But it starts with Tavares. And when you look at the games that they have coming up, Pittsburgh, Calgary, Washington are three in their next five. Uh, Those are teams that they have struggled against this season. Those are teams that Tavares has not played great against this season. And even though he does have uh, favorable matchups, coming up as well in their next five. I I just don't like where his game is right now. Vancouver and Edmonton are in back-to-back games on the 5th and the 8th, and they start a a four-game road trip right now tonight in Pittsburgh, um, and then they head out to Western Canada for three games. So it's going to be a tricky uh, road right now for Tavares until he finds his game. And then the other guy who I'm avoiding is Jonathan Taves out in Chicago. Uh, pointless in five straight games. He does have 15 shots on goal in that span, but he's on pace right now for his lowest full season total of his career. He has 40 points in 64 games right now on pace for 51 points. His season low in a full season was 54 in his rookie year in 07-08. So I'm not uh, really high on the Blackhawks right now, and especially Jonathan Taves down the stretch. All right, so that was Stock Up, Stock Down, in conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com, our fantasy hockey expert on the Domino's delivery line. Okay, James, uh, one for you here. Post-trade deadline. This has impact, obviously, on fantasy rosters, whether it's daily on DraftKings or league-wise. Give me a guy who you think is going to either benefit from the trade on the fantasy roster or who is going to impact his teammates positively. So I'll give you one who I think is going to benefit from the trade and one who I think is going to impact his his line mates. Uh, The one who I think is going to benefit the most from the trade was Evander Kane. Um, He's 86% owned in Yahoo League, so obviously he's an established fantasy player. We know what he's going to to bring to the table, but this is the first time in his career that he's really in a playoff race. And so you can just see that he has that heightened confidence and that heightened sense of expectation going into it. He has three points and four shots on goal in his first two games with the Sharks. He's skating on their first line with Joe Pavelski and Jonas Donskoy. Not a bad line to go from Jack Eichel to Joe Pavelski. And then he's skating on the first power play unit with Logan Couture, Brent Burns, Pavelski, and Thomas Hurdle. That's not a bad setup either. Um, So I, I like what is... Kane can bring to the table, especially in daily fantasy as a you know mid-high-level uh, winger. And then the guy who I like to help the teammates around him is Rick Nash. Um, you know, when you look at it, he has points in back-to-back games now. He was shut out in his first game with Boston last weekend, but he has 15 shots on goal in three games. He's skating with David Krejci and Jake DeBrusque on their second line right now, and having lost. Patrice Bergeron to injury for the moment. They need that line to step up, and they have. Krejci has three goals and assists in his last two games. DeBrusque has three assists in those same last two games. And so I I like what Nash is bringing. Again, he seems to be rejuvenated and uh, just skating a lot harder than he was with the Rangers because now he actually does have something to play for again. So I really like what he's bringing to the table with Boston so far. And, I mean, you saw that beatdown of the Penguins the other day. 
that that roster just looks scary top to bottom. It sure does. James, thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. And, of course, if anybody wants tips on setting their DraftKings lineup, whether it's the salary game or the pick'em game on DraftKings.com, they can hit you up on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Let's do it again next week. Sounds great, buddy. All right, James Harding, I'll take the break. Other side, we're going to wrap up the show. Jonas Siegel from the Athletic Toronto talked about the Maple Leafs post-trade deadline and for that playoff push. A lot more coming up here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. If you missed any of the show or want to go back and listen to our other shows, you can do that on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, SoundCloud, and of course the TSN 1050.ca show page. Let's head now to the Domino's delivery line. And folks, Domino's $11.99 for a large four-topping pizza. Go to Domino's.ca today. Perfect food for the big game. Let's welcome in from the Athletic Toronto Maple Leafs reporter, Jonas Siegel. Jonas, let's start out looking back on the trade deadline. So for months, we've discussed the Leafs need to address the blue line. Get a defenseman. Get a defenseman. That's what we've been talking about. Deadline came and went. Nothing done at the blue line. Are you surprised that the Leafs did not address that since this is really the last chance you can make an impact move before a playoff run? No, I don't think I'm surprised just because you have to look at what's out there and what's an upgrade. And if there's only a couple names that are actually upgrades to your defense and you're not willing to pay the price that other teams are going to pay, what do you do? So it's like if, if the, the only real upgrades let's, that we know of, you know, there could be other players that, you know, they talked about, but if it's Ryan McDonough and it's Eric Carlson, those are big trades. Yeah. Like, and, and you saw what, you know, some people disagree about what, what Tampa had to give up to get Ryan McDonough. But if the Leafs weren't prepared to do that, okay, so where else do you go? And, and if you're not going to get one of those guys who actually upgrades your team, does really adding Ian Cole or, or Erica Branson change your world? No. And in fact, you could argue it might make you a little worse because, you know, in, in the situation of Cole, you might not be playing someone like Travis Dermott. So I'm not surprised just because you looked at what was potentially out there. There just wasn't a lot. And that's why it always made more sense to me that they would go out and get a center just because there were more of those guys who fit that bill and who were available, and who wouldn't cost them that much. And obviously, Thomas Buchanan, um, you know, for a second-round pick, is about the price that I thought that they'd end up paying. Do you think that the rise of Travis Dermott is is something that maybe gave the front office a little bit of pause, saying, okay, maybe we don't have to necessarily reach because we have this internal guy who's plugging that back in, which really is the type of player you'd be getting at the deadline anyway if you don't go blockbuster. I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, I just don't think they were willing to pay the price <clears throat> that it would cost to get someone like Ryan McDonough. Like, I, I'm i not sure. I know Lula Amarillo came out after the deadline and kind of said that, you know, Dermott's play, you know, allowed them to not force the issue. But to me, that, that means not going out and getting an Ian Cole. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you can get, if they could have gotten Ryan McDonough and were prepared to pay the price that New York wanted, I'm sure they would do it tomorrow, but sure. you know it, it's a matter of what are you willing to pay. And so, if you're not willing to part with 
you know, some of your top prospects, if you're not willing to part with the Timothy Lilligren, if you're not willing to part with Dermot, for instance, then you're not going to get that guy. And so I, I just think they're in a position where uh, they wanted to do what they could, and, and they were limited by what they could do, by what was available to them. Uh, I mean, like you look at uh, their needs, and, and we looked at defense, and we looked at center, there were just more guys who, who kind of fit the bill at center, who they could go out and get, whether it was Marco Testi, whether it was Thomas Mechanitz. Um, and, and obviously they ended up going that route, and it makes them better. And I'm not sure um, – I think the defense has gotten batted around so much that it's now sort of underrated. I don't think it's as bad as, as it's been portrayed. It's just um, – it doesn't have that Victor Hedman or, you know, right. guy like Ryan McDonough. On it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it has stabilized. In conversation with Jonas Siegel, Maple Leafs reporter for The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Jonas Siegel. So let's talk a little more about Thomas Placanich here. Guy's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Clearly, as of right now, they could always re-sign him, of course, but you have him for the playoff run. What role do you see him fitting? Do you like the move out of not just who is available, but how he would fit? And we have a very small sample size right now, but how he'll fit longer term the rest of the way with this Leaf team. Yeah, I like the move because I think it gives, I think the most important thing it does is it gives them another option when everybody's healthy. Another safe option, I think is the way I'd put it, because the way that they were stacked up, Mike Babcock had two centers that he did not trust, and that those two guys were, were Tyler Bozak and Dominic Moore. So if you have two guys who you don't feel comfortable with in your own zone playing against anyone, that, that, that's trouble. You know, that puts some challenges in front of you, especially come playoff time, especially on the road. Um, so now with, with Thomas Buchanan in the midst, he's got three lines basically that he'll feel comfortable putting anybody out there. So, you know, if he's on the road, let's say in Tampa, let's say they're playing Tampa in the first round um, and, and he doesn't have control of the matchups, he can feel okay putting Thomas Buchanan out there with Leo Komarov and Kasperi Kapanen for a defensive zone faceoff and not really be too concerned if, if John Cooper puts out Nikita Kucherov or if he puts out Steven Stamkos or Braden Point. Whereas before, you know, if, it, if it's Bozak or if it's Moore, he just doesn't feel as comfortable. And there are instances this year where what ended up happening is opposing coaches would target those lines and they'd make sure that they'd get their top line out against Bozak or out against mm-hmm. Moore. And so this gives them another security blanket um, come playoff time, another penalty killer, and another guy who can win face-offs. So all those things to me make him a good fit. Now, Leafs again are without Austin Matthews, Jonas, and we've seen them have success. Now, obviously, they're much better with Austin Matthews around, but they've, they've had, been able to have in the past some success without him in the short term. Uh, any, any concern at this point? Like it's, it's a couple times now he's down. Is this uh, any, any cause that you think, all right, maybe Matthews could be injury-prone, or do you think now that, that when he does come back, the Maple Leafs are going to be able to, with or without him, be able to work around whether he's on the ice or not? So I guess the first one is the, can we say he's injury-prone? Probably not at this point. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's been it's a over. year where, you know, some weird things have happened. Like, he takes the hit from Morgan Riley at the end of the game in Pittsburgh. He suffers a concussion. We don't know exactly what that first injury was. Mm-hmm. You know, there's speculation that it was his back. That's a little concerning, you know, because those are the types of things that can linger. Uh, and then this more recent one, you know, he just gets bumped. Um, so that, you know, is, is an unfortunate balance. But you look last year, he played all 82 games. It just seems like it's one of those years where 
things don't go right injury-wise for him. Um, but it's been interesting to see how they've kind of adapted. Uh, you look at the 10 games before this run where they didn't have him, they went 6-4. and four. Pretty much the only reason that they did that was because of goaltending. Like, their goaltending in those 10 games, uh, they had a save percentage of 950. So they didn't exactly survive as much as they needed Curtis McElhaney and Frederick Anderson to be terrific, and they both were. Um, but, like, lately, the depth helps them. You know, having Thomas Buchanan, you know, granted they lost a couple games, um, he gives them, you know, depth down the middle. They tried William Nealander there. I, I just think they're a better team now than they were at those earlier points. They're in better form. Anderson continues to play well. They've got another line that actually can produce offense. They've got that cadre line that, that's been as dangerous, if not more dangerous, uh, than the one with Matthews on it. So they're, they're in a better position now than I think they were earlier in the year to kind of get by without Matthews. But obviously, they need him back, and you know, especially if they're going to push you know, for home ice advantage in the first round. In conversation with Jonas Siegel, covers the Maple Leafs for the Athletic Toronto. Now, one of your great pieces in the Athletic here, Jonas, was around William Nylander, and that really he, he kind of remains a little bit of an unknown. What have you learned about Nylander? How do you think the Maple Leafs are going to address his contract situation in the offseason? Those are that last one is a really tough question. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you can you can really argue both sides. You can really argue that it's better to go short with him, you know, because you get him on a contract that, that's a little more favorable in the short term for a team that can and is trying to win right now. But then, like, you look at the long term, if you can get him signed to a reasonable number for a longer period of time, that helps you long term. Because suddenly, you know, those years when, when Marner's making more and Matthews is making more, if you can have William Nealander coming in below what he's actually worth, that's a big advantage. Yeah. The, the other part, you know, that you asked about, you know, kind of the unknown with him, I just think that he's fascinating because, like, we really don't know what he actually is. Right. You know, we don't know how good he is. We don't know how good he can be. Like, you, you see all these flashes um, where he can be a great goal scorer. Like, there are some days with his shots, it looks like he could score 40 goals. And then you see some of the plays he makes as a passer, and you're like, man, like he could be someone you know who challenges for the assist lead some years. Like he looks up to to Nicholas Backstrom. You could see him putting up as many assists in one year as, as Nicholas Backstrom. The other thing is like we don't know where he's going to play. We don't know if he's going to be a yeah. center. Uh, if he is, when? Uh, we don't know if he's going to play with Matthews. We don't know what he looks like when he doesn't play without with Matthews. So. I don't know. I just think he's the most fascinating player on the team in terms of the unknown. Like, we know what Matthews is. We know what Marner is. They're going to get better. They'll probably do much more than we can anticipate. Uh, But with Neolander, I just think he's more of a question mark. And and that's not a bad thing. It just means he's still so young in the process and there's still so much to learn. Well, yeah, and you're right, Jonas. He's 21 years old, right? Like, we we think he's been around a couple... Like, he's played in the league since the 15-16 season, so we we sometimes forget how young he is, but he's 21. I'm wondering... This popped into my head. Does exploring kind of what they did a couple of times with Nazem Kadri make sense? Those those bridge ones. Like, like you know, like I, I understand the point of if you can get him on a, a good deal long-term, great, but almost kind of a, a okay, bet on yourself, short-term bridge, and then if the Maple Leafs uh, are proven right, then you're not stuck with them, and if Nylander uh, performs, and hey, you got a great problem on your hands with an elite winger or centerman. Does, does a Nazem Kadri type of deal make sense? It could. I mean, for, it could. Like, 
when you look at, at, at the way it worked out for Kadri, they ended up getting him on a terrific number. Like yeah. He's making less than $5 million for a while longer. That's helpful, given how good he's become. Sure. I think for the player, if, if, if you think you're good, if you're the player, if you're like, and, and you're William Nealander and you think you're good, I agree with you. I'd take the short-term deal. Because I think, uh, like, look at Nikita Kucherov as a good example. Now, is, is William Nealander and Nikita Kucherov? Who knows? But, like, Nikita Kucherov takes that, that three, I think it was a three-year deal, and he's getting paid, like, four and a half, something like that. Um, his next contract is going to be, what does he get, 11, 12? Like, he's going to win a hard trophy. He's going to have 40 goal years. Um, like, he's going to get paid. That's going to make things tougher for Tampa. Now it's been made easier for them having him at four, four or five or whatever it is for a few years, but it's going to get harder. So I, I think for the player, if you think you're good, bet on yourself with a short-term deal. But if I'm the team, that would scare me. Um, um, especially with the unknown of, of William Neander. So I might go, I don't know, seven years by six or seven and try to get him locked up expecting that he'll be good. And if he's not, you know, if he doesn't reach the potential that you think he can get to, you can always trade a guy who's going to be a 60 to 70 point player, uh, regardless of whether he meets that ceiling or not. So I think I'd probably lean long term. Jonas, thank you so much for taking the time. Great to chat with you again. Let's do it again soon. Likewise. Thanks, Andy. That was Jonas Siegel, Maple Leafs reporter from The Athletic Toronto. Make sure you check out his great work on Twitter, at Jonas Siegel. All right, folks, that'll do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. For producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening on TSN 1050 and across the TSN radio network.